Well, good morning. It's good to see everybody. And uh, I don't have a, I'm not going to make a lot of announcements here uh, this morning, but I do want to welcome everybody who's here. Uh, those, I know we have some, some folks who are guests, and, and we're glad that you're here. We're continuing our sermon series on We Are Called. What are the things that God calls us to do in this life? And this morning we're talking about justice which is a loaded word, all kinds of different ideas from folks about what justice means. But we're going to be talking about that from uh, Micah 6, and uh, please uh, be praying uh, for that message. And pray that as we worship this morning that our, our hearts and everything that we have is centered into God. Uh, we are here to worship God, not to uh, uh, worship ourselves, not uh, for our comfort, but for, uh, for the glory of God. So we're going to stand and we're going to pray. And so let's all stand, remain standing for our opening hymn, uh, Shine, Jesus, Shine. Holy Lord, we come before you uh, this morning. Remembering in your word in Micah 6 where the people say, Lord, what exactly is it you want from us? Could we uh, sacrifice uh, more cattle? Uh, could we even give our children, Lord, uh, up to you? What is it exactly that you want from us? And God answers, uh, you know, you should know. I've demonstrated this throughout history. That I just want you to do what is right to do justice for, for others. I want you to, to love mercy. And I want you uh, people to, to walk humbly with me. That's all I require. And so, Father, we come before you this morning as a people of God, asking, Lord, that you would plant uh, seeds of justice in our hearts, that you would give us a love for mercy. And, Father, above all, that we would see ourselves as we really are. And, Father, as we realize what you do for us each and every day, that we would walk humbly with you with thanks in our heart. Father, I thank you for this church, for this congregation, for their love, for their service, for their ministry. And I pray, Father, you would grow us into the image of Jesus each and every day. In his precious name, we pray. And amen. Good morning. Good morning, dear family. It is a beautiful morning, is it not? Will you join me in the prayer for guidance? Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is from Micah 6, 6 through 8. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with with thousands of rams? 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. 
Thank you for that reading. And uh, we are looking at a very short, simple uh, scripture that is as uh, uh, complex as it is simple. Uh, the idea of to do justice. What is justice? We all have different ideas about that. And uh, we come from different places in our lives, and we've experienced different things. For, for somebody who has suffered at the hands of someone, uh, perhaps lost a family member uh, in a shooting or whatever it may be, justice may be very different from somebody who has pretty much through their life, the only time they've dealt with the justice system is over a parking ticket. Uh, Yesterday, I was uh, having a discussion uh, with, with this family, and they were from Cuba, and uh, we were uh, out to eat, and the daughter, who's uh, uh, she's 14 or 15 now, I think she's a sophomore in high school, uh, I had mentioned that in my great pride to impress them with our area here. I said that I saw a thing the other day that said that uh, they had rated Stanton as the 30th best small city in the United States, and the best in Virginia. And the daughter said, well, I don't like Stanton. And she was, it was very clear, she really did not like Stanton. Uh, they uh, live up in Weir's Cave here, but she does not like Stanton. I think she prefers Harrisonburg uh, to Stanton. And I was, I was amazed. I, I, I love Stanton. And so she said, in Cuba, everything was old. Stanton's just old. I like new things. And it made me think about how shocked I was by that because we come to assume that everybody sort of thinks the same way we do. And I like history, and I like to see buildings that were built by people uh, who are two or three generations ago. I like to see the craftsmanship. I like to see the fact that they're still standing, giving a sense of stability and connection, and all those things, you know, mean something to me. For this young woman who grew up in a communist country, to her old buildings represented the failure of their system and the oppression. So when she goes into Stanton, that's what she sees. And so when we're talking about justice, I realized I knew right away this was a loaded word for people because we talk about in our secular system, in our nation here, a justice system that we say often fails, and people have different opinions about, uh, well, this, this, uh, this penalty was uh, too much based upon uh, punishment, upon retribution, uh, that, uh, that per- perhaps certain people in our country, especially a, a, a poorer person, might not get the same deal that uh, Felicity Huffman or, or a, a, a TV star gets in the courts. That somehow it's not all even. And so we could get caught up into that as we talk about what Micah uh, and Micah 6 means today by to do justice. And I, I, I looked around at what would be a good definition of a biblical concept of justice. And at its most basic, it is to do what is right to set things right according to God's way, according to God's will. So when we think about justice as Christians, we have to start with God. We don't start with our own ideas. We don't start with the secular system. But we start with God and we say, God, what is right? What does it mean to set things right in this world? And what is my role in that? But then Micah then goes on to say, uh, when, when, when he says, this is what God requires of you. I'm putting it very simply here. Three simple things. Do justice. Make things right. 
love mercy. Temper your justice, that, that, that retributive uh, sort of uh, uh, angle that we sometimes take with justice where we want just a little bit of punishment in there too. We want to feel good. We want to feel like we, uh, you know, that we, we got paid back somehow by this. But love mercy. Be passionate about doing good for others. And then finally, to walk humbly with your God. Now that last one, I think, is the key to everything. I don't think you can really do justice and love mercy without walking with God in a way where your perspective of who God is and who you are is correct. Because a lot of people walk around with great pride. There are religious people walk around with great pride about the lives they are leading. And then we get proud, we have this pride in our, in our facilities, in our buildings and sanctuaries. We have pride in the numbers of people that participate in our church. How large is your church is a question I often hear from people. And I, you know, I'm prepared to either, you know, depending on the number, you know, they're, they're judging that. And if they come from a church of 5,000, and I say, well, on Sundays we have around 200, and then we have this other place across the street, and they have about, you know, and I, I, I kind of, you know, the 5,000 people are going to look down upon us. So, uh, you know, their perspective is very different. But the only way that we can really know what justice is, is to walk humbly with God and have the correct perspective, which says to me that whatever we build, I don't care if we built something twice the size of the Notre Dame Cathedral, and if we uh, put every great work of art ever created by uh, humanity into that cathedral, that it would not be a scratch on the big toe of God. That it would not in any way start to bring us into any sort of equality with the greatness of God. And I, yeah, I hear people too talk about how, well, now that I'm a Christian, I have the Spirit of God in me, somehow that lifts me up into some kind of equal station with God. I don't believe that. Because when I look at Jesus Christ, who is God incarnate, who walks this world, world as the very Word of God, and I look at his words and I look how, at how he prayed. That simple prayer he teaches his disciples. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. He doesn't, Jesus doesn't start out and say, well, when you pray, pray this way. Our Father, we are so thankful for Jesus who is ushering into the world the kingdom of God. We're thankful that he has come to do this. He's not, he's not bragging on himself. Jesus Christ, who is uh, now in that position in heaven where one day he will be the one who stands there and welcomes us in, Jesus Christ doesn't brag on himself ever in the Gospels. In fact, you know, he, he talks about his father continually and points to him. And then in the garden, that he, the humility of his prayer there, his humility on the cross, it's evident. It's not something he's putting on, it's something that is part of his nature his godly nature. And so God wants us to know what it means to be humble, walking with him. And so all of that is a part of doing justice. We are called to do justice. We are called in Micah to do justice, but also by Jesus Christ to do justice, to make things right. 
He's continually telling stories where the point is make things right. He's continually calling on people people to forgive each other, to reconcile with each other, to find a way to make things right. If we go back into into Micah, it's it's a very interesting uh, uh, book, and it's very short. You could read it in probably 20 minutes. You could read the book of Micah. Micah was about seven centuries before the birth of Christ. So he's going way back. He's the only one of the prophets to prophesy both the downfall of Samaria and Jerusalem, the capital of Judea, and all that happened. He also is the one who predicted that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem. That comes out of Micah. And so Micah is is a really important prophet, even though he's listed among the minor prophets. And remember, minor doesn't mean unimportant or less important than the major prophets. It means it's short. But it's very direct. And and the way he he writes, he begins with uh, a trial. And uh, the people of Israel are on trial. And God wants to know, what do I have to do? <laughs> what, I, what do I have to do to bring you back to me? What have I done that has failed you? Uh, the, I'm going to go through, made some notes here as you go through uh, Micah, the, the trial and how that turns out. Uh, we're in the court of the Lord. And it begins with, hear now what the Lord says. Arise and plead your case before the mountains and let the hills hear your voice For the Lord has a complaint against his people, and he will contend with Israel. God is asking them to to come up. He wants to hear them. He wants to listen to them and find out what it is that has led them away from him. And then it goes on, and he says, Oh, my people, what have I done to you? How have I tired you? Uh, Testify against me. I brought you up out of the land of Egypt. And he begins to point to everything I have done. So why is it that you have turned away from me and to other gods? Why is it that your worship of me is not what I'm asking? Testify against me. What have I done to you? I redeemed you from the house of bondage. Not only did God uh, not do evil to Israel, but he also went to an enormous amount of effort to do good for them, redeeming them and giving them godly leaders. And then he says, with what shall I come, uh, or he says, the people uh, uh, answer, well, what can we do? What can we do, Lord? What is it that you want from us? Could I come before you with burnt offerings? Maybe with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, 10,000 rivers of oil? They're, saying, you know, they're just putting it out there. Lord, what is it that you want from us? I mean, we could come with, before you with this, and then we could multiply it. And we could come with, before you with this. Should we even give you our firstborn for our transgressions? Would that make you happy if we gave you over to our children, if we sacrificed our children to you? I mean, this is an extreme sort of thing here, but the people in their frustration are saying, Lord, we're not sure what it is you want from us. What if, we, what if we just did bigger sacrifices? And that's when God answers, you know, he says, well, what is it that I require of you? All I've ever asked you to do is to, to do right, to do justice, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with me. That's all I've ever required. But instead, you have adopted the ways of others, and you have said, maybe we just need to give God more. 
And then we could continue to live the way we want to live. And God essentially is saying, what I want is not sacrifices, what I want is you. And he says that to us today. He says, I want you. I want you to to have a relationship with me. I want you to be uh, uh, in love with me and as I am in love with you. I want you to recognize my image in you. I want that relationship together. And when that happens, then you will do justice and then you will love mercy. Then humility will come over you. That's all you need to do. Put away, I hate your burnt offerings. He says, I hate your burnt offerings. I hate what you're trying to do. And then I I try to think about that in terms of today's world. How does that relate to us? We're not sacrificing things like that. You know, maybe putting a check in the offering plate is our way of saying I've done my duty to God. You know, maybe building big cathedrals. Maybe having thousands packed into an uh, auditorium singing praise with the very best praise team and everything in excellence doing, that's been the code word recently for churches was do everything with excellence. And I don't believe we should intentionally not do things the best we can. But sometimes I think God must be looking down and looking at, at, the, at, the, at us and saying, what I'd really like for you to do right now is to walk out that door and find somebody in need. And without anybody watching, with no notice, you do something, an act of mercy. You help that person. Wow. That would make me happy. But instead, what we sort of do is adopt the ways of the world, bring them into the church, just as Israel had done and Judah had done. They had brought the ways of the world into the temple and into the worship with God, and they had corrupted it. God says, my ways are not your ways, but we're continually pushing our ways onto God. So what that would mean for a church like us is that we, if we believe that we, uh, if we believe in acts of mercy, we have our food pantry, we have the community center, and we have uh, aisle seven that we started, and we're trying to do things to reach people who uh, aren't normally reached by the church in the way that we do church in this country, trying to do that, that we should redouble our efforts, and we should do it with a dependence upon God, because it's only going to work if God's spirit is in it. And if God is the one who brings the healing and the power into what we're trying to do. To do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with God. You know, churches, we spend a lot of time on um, vision statements. And every time I go to Micah 6, I think, this is a vision statement for the church. If we would do those three things... Those three things, and incorporate them into our private lives, and every day wake up and say, Lord, give me the opportunity today to do justice, to do right by somebody, to heal some, something, to, to, uh, to, to mend what is broken. And, and Father, give me a joy and a love for an act of mercy, that instead of resenting it when I have to help somebody, that I rejoice in it. And I actually go around looking for opportunities to offer your mercy to people and to share the gospel with people. And then, Father, at the end of the day, as I've gone through all this and I look back over my day, I see that you were walking with me the whole time. 
And Father, that you gave me a spirit of humility in the whole time. Uh, humility is not something you can take on. You can't brag about your humility. How I've been working on my humility lately, and I'm making great progress in it. Yeah. In fact, I believe I'm the most humble man in the world. That doesn't work, does it? Humility is something that one day you realize who you are and who God is, and you look back and you see everything God has done, and you see, you see the universe around you, and you understand that whatever I do, it's never anything compared to what God has done, and sometimes God and his great love for me has allowed me to participate in it. That's when humility begins to overcome you and you realize, you know, wow, I think, I think what I do is, 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 has amounted to so much. Uh, I, I, I know a lot of you in your personal lives probably feel the same way. I look back, and sometimes we use the word lucky. I'm the luckiest man alive. You know, the Joe DiMaggio speech as he's uh, there at Yankee Stadium being honored after he's retired and, you know, and famous speech, you know. I consider myself the luckiest person in the world. I look back over my life and how many times I could have been in the wrong place at the wrong time where my life could have ended. Boy, going up and down the interstates, it can happen quickly. And I look back over my life and I look at all the places where I tried to turn this way and God kind of gently guided me back the other way. And I realize how blessed I am. But I also know if I hadn't had God doing that, my life would be a wreck. That should make us humble when we realize that. And give God the glory for the great things he has done. Folks, we can't do justice unless we love mercy too. And we can't do justice unless we walk humbly with God. It's a package. It's a trinity. It comes together. And my prayer is today that we will all pray about that and ask God, how can I fulfill that call that you gave through Micah? How can I fulfill it in my life? And here's a little, here's a little thing I'm just going to throw out for you if you're still thinking, yeah, but what's in it for me? I'll tell you this. People who come to that point in their lives where their lives are lived by those three things, I believe become the happiest people in the world. They have a joy the world cannot give. They have a peace that the world cannot understand. That's what Paul was talking about when he talked about joy that passes understanding, you know, peace that passes understanding and joy that overflows. It's when you come to understand that secret to life. And it's oh so, oh so simple. And, uh, We see it lived out in Jesus Christ. Folks, uh, I'm not going to go on. Okay? This is my gift to you this morning. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I'm going to give us a few extra minutes. But uh, we have a song we're going to sing. It's called uh, We Are Called. And we sang it last week. You may not remember. But uh, we may sing it next week. I don't know. Joy and I will have to talk about that. Uh, Okay. But... um, uh, We are called, it says, to do justice. This song has all the words of Micah 6 in it. Let's stand and let's sing and commit ourselves to doing justice, loving mercy, and walking humbly with our God.
meeting, uh, there was a man in our church, he gave me a book he thought I would like to read. It was by Robert Pierce, who was the founder of World Vision. And at that point, World Vision hadn't been around but uh, less than 20 years. Uh, it's a worldwide organization. Most people know uh, all the good it has done. But the name of the book was Let My Heart Be Broken. And inside, he continued that phrase with Let My Heart Be Broken by the Things That Break the Heart of God. And I've always remembered that line. What a prayer. Father, let my heart be broken by the things that break your heart. I pray as we go out this morning that we will uh, allow God to so shape and mold our hearts that they would be broken by those things that break his heart. Let us go in his peace. Let us walk humbly with him this day. And amen.